Hey, welcome back to the Redeem Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. I am really so excited, and I hope you are having an absolutely amazing week. I know mine has been completely chaotic, but I did that to myself. I've put so many things in my schedule, but it is all for God's glory, and I know it'll work out in the end one way or another. Actually, I've been reading this book called Anonymous. It talks about Jesus' hidden years. Um, those first 30 years of his life where he's, we really don't know what's going on and how it really prepared him for when he came out and started doing all the miracles and everything in the world, all his teachings that we know him for. And it was just a really great book. I've been recommending it to absolutely everyone. But in doing so, in finishing this book, and I'm so glad I finally got to do it, God ended up changing my whole entire message. And if you've ever preached or gave a speech or planned something out, it normally doesn't go according to plan. And that is totally fine. God's timing, not mine, right? Speaking of God's timing, though, it really just brought me back to last week's podcast when I was talking about how there was so much going on in my life and I was just so overwhelmed with everything and I have no idea how anything happened and I realized that God was always there even if I wasn't really acknowledging him at the time but you see God does not leave us in our weakness we see this in Psalm 6 when David is playing for mercy from the Lord David knew he did something wrong. He knew he was hanging with the wrong crowd. He knew there was some part of his life that was not aligning with God's plan. And he says, Lord, be gracious to me, for I am weak. He said, my bones are shaking. Lord, I'm terrified. Right after that, we see him say, return, Lord, come back to me, rescue me. And I think this is a real beautiful picture because we see him say, return, come back rescue me and if you see it from God's perspective he's looking down at David and is saying return return David when did I ever leave you your emotions and feelings are telling you that I'm gone but I never leave he said I'm the God who stands with through the fire with you I'm the God who walks through the desert with you the God of comfort the God of peace the God who is always sufficient and never not enough And that is so true. For instance, in my situation, there was no way things could have worked out. I I had no money. I left a cushiony job that paid well, covered my bills. And I left that for a little seasonal job for half the pay. There was one point where my brother was the only one with a steady income. I was doing Lyft and Uber and doing food deliveries to make my, to be able to pay my bills. And through all that, actually, we ended up moving homes and buying, purchasing a home, which is absolutely insane when you think about it. And then after that is when I started getting more reliable income. And God always provided. And I never really realized that that was God. Not until a few years later when I was able to really just look at back, really just look back at the situation 
and see how everything was just so impossible. It had to be God. And that's the thing. A lot of what's happened in my life, I can say probably wasn't because of me. My family's had a lot of favor with God, I like to say. They were very devoted. They, like I was telling you, they were, we all taught, we all worshipped. We were very strong in our faith, and that went back generations. Of course, I, I left the church, and their favor was still passed on to me. I was still protected. I've always said that I put my guardian angel through a lot. And they must be exhausted. They deserve a vacation. But I cannot be trusted alone. <laughs> but anyway. I've, I have noticed that since my relationship with God has become stronger. And since I've come to really recognize him as my father. I've developed some of that same favor. And I can see it being used on people around me. I can see it used for myself. I can see how I've grown. I can see how the key characteristics to myself, my kindness, my generosity, my love, my heart, my compassion, my understanding, my empathy, all of that gets really just used on the people around me, whether I know you or I don't. And that is all from God. Those are traits God put in me. Those are parts of him that he put in me. And it's just really beautiful to think and really see how that worked because Sometimes when you do things for others and you'll catch it, I've always caught it and it brings a smile to my face and they, they don't thank me, they thank God. Or they're like, God bless you. Or sometimes they'll even start crying. But those aren't because of me. That is the goodness of God. And honestly, I hope that my grandparents or my great-grandparents that I never got to meet they're in heaven smiling down because their favor reigned upon me even now. And personally, I do not know whether my God-given dreams will be fulfilled in this lifetime or whether my tears and prayers are watering them for future generations. But I know that God is great and God is good and God notices everything. And I think it's just really beautiful to know that we have a father that cares for us that much. I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how God has touched your life. I don't know if you've seen his miracles or not. We're all on our own paths. And as long as you're pursuing God, I can say without a sliver of a doubt that things will work out in God's timing and we are never too far gone so I was reading the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son depending how you know it and I've always resonated with this story so much because I consider myself to be like the prodigal son and I think a lot of people really put themselves in the same shoes During my Bible study, God revealed something to me that I never picked up on. And honestly, that's the beauty of reading God's word. It is alive. It is accurate then and it is accurate now. It is the only book where it's always relevant. God is 
always revealing new things to us for whatever season we're in. So just for a couple minutes, I want you to forget everything you know about the prodigal son. Everything you've ever heard, every interpretation. Pretend this is the very first time you were hearing it. And really just soak in and listen to what God is saying between the lines. You never know what he's going to reveal to you. So Jesus is talking he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them sent to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate that I have coming to me. So the father distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country, where he squandered the estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best rope and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast, because the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has came back safe and sound. Then the son became angry and didn't want to go in. So the father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving many years for you. I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat that I could celebrate with my friends. But the son of yours who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, the father said to him, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So I think a lot of the reasons people relate really well to the prodigal son is because most of us have left our homes. A lot of us have really just left that relationship with God, wandered off into the, to the ways of the world, trying to find something that really wasn't there. And somehow or another, just like the prodigal son, we come to our senses and we return home. But you see, that's the thing. The son had to come to his senses. He was out there spending his money lavishly. He was out doing all kinds of worldly things. But you know those feelings were inside. Insecurities, anxiety, loneliness. But he was trying to convince himself that his way of living was everything. 
he was out trying to show the world, I have everything. I am happy. I am living my best life. But I'm actually not. The prodigal son knew he had a father. He knew he had a home. And until he hit rock bottom, he didn't realize that he had everything he needed there. That he was loved. He was part of something. He was trying to fill the gap, and sometimes we get confused on filling the gap with fulfilling something. You see, to fill the gap means to add in order to make it feel full. What can I do to make me feel content, to make me feel loved, to make me feel thinner, to make me feel pretty, to make me feel enough? And what do we do? We always turn to worldly things. Dieting, apps, social media, sleeping around to feel loved, pornography, addictions to take it all away away hiding so we don't have to sing we fill it with anything and everything that we can in our heads if we keep adding then maybe just maybe we'll eventually have enough but the thing is it's all temporary and we end up like the prodigal son and one day you sit there and you're like oh my gosh i literally have nothing now on the opposite end there's fulfill, which a lot of people tend to get it confused with. Remember, to fill the gap means you need to add in order to make it feel full. Fulfilling means stepping into the reality of. You just have to realize you are already loved. You are already enough. You are already seen. He knows every thought and every word before you even think it. You already have purpose. You already have destiny. You were made for such a time as this, not because of what you're doing, but because of who you are. And you can choose to act on it or not, but it is who you are. Well, how do I step into this? How do I fulfill this? How do I realize? How do I do it? By simply trying. And you don't have to receive the inheritance God has for you. I don't know why you wouldn't, but you don't have to. But it is who you are. All you have to do is look at the Father and step into the reality of our Father sending His Son to die on the cross for us. Conquering death, rising three days later, and having the Holy Spirit alive within you. You can step into this realization at any moment and realize that you can live a completely different life. By the way, the prodigal son can be found in Luke 15, starting at verse 11. But the verse that really caught my attention today was going to be verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion he ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. Now, I've always really just resonated with the fact that the prodigal son was us and we return to God. But that one verse really stood out to me, and I don't think I ever paid that much attention to it, to be honest. But, but it says, while he was a long way off, the father saw him and ran to him. The father left his home. The Father is Jesus Christ. Jesus is Emmanuel. God is with us. God left his throne to meet us where we are 
and he threw his arms around us and he embraced us and welcomed us back. And all that we have to do is come to him with a humble heart and repentance. And he wants to give us the best of everything. It does not matter what he had given to us prior. It doesn't matter what we did with all we were entrusted. All that mattered was that we were returning home to him. And we didn't even have to go all the way. He met us where we were. The father met the son while he was still a long way off. Because we are always going to fall short of God's glory. You see, but that's also the most dangerous lie that the enemy tells us. Not that, not that we'll, we're always short of God's glory. That's not a lie. It says in the Bible that we will always fall short. But the most dangerous lie that Satan tells us is not that there's no God. It's that you have time. You can get right with God anytime you want. And while to an extent that is true, because no matter where you are in your walk of life, how much time has passed, you can come back to, to your father and he will welcome you back with open arms and try to offer you eternal life and salvation. The thing is, tomorrow is not even promised. So don't run away from God. He's not there to yell at you. He's there to love you. And his love leads to repentance. You need to understand that sin lead, leads to destruction. It will destroy you just like it did the prodigal son. He was looking at the pig's food because he was starving and had nothing left because he squandered it all. Sin will destroy you. And it will never be able to fill the hole that only Jesus can. But God wants you to go from the pig pen to the palace. He wants you to come home to him. And he doesn't blame you. He did give us free will. He was vulnerable enough to give us the choice to go with him or to turn away from him. He didn't have to create us. But he did. And he did so with that choice and he knew every thought every word every action before you've had it he made you from his heart he made you from love and i know a lot of the times we look at our lives and we think we are just too far gone there is there is no coming back from the places i've been i am too ashamed i am too embarrassed i am too broken for God to use me. But look at anybody in the Bible. Not a single one of them aside from Jesus was perfect. They all had flaws. Just like we all have flaws. I've been like Eve. I've been deceived into believing the lies of the serpent. I've been like Esau. I've had moments of desperation that I've traded my birthright for temporary satisfaction. I've been like Jacob. I pretended to be someone else, not believing that you could bless the real me. I've been like Moses. I felt so disqualified that I've placed excuses before you. I've been like Gideon. I've questioned what you said about me, allowing everything else to define me. I've been like Elisha. 
I've been so consumed with fear that I've hidden in a cave and wanted to die. I've been like Mary Magdalene. I've been rightfully accused by my enemies. I've been like Martha. I've been so anxious and troubled about so many things that I've lost sight of your presence. I've been like a Pharisee, my lips honoring you, but my heart being distant from you. I've been like the prodigal son. I've pardoned from you, not realizing you were my most valuable inheritance. I've been like Peter. I've denied you, even when at one point I came to say I would die for you. I've been like Saul. I've hated within my heart, which before you is the same as murder. I've been like Thomas. I've doubted and questioned you and haven't walked by faith. I've been like Judas. My sin sold you to that cross. But Jesus, you've been like me. You've taken my place. You've experienced my weaknesses and my griefs. You've been tempted in every way. You've felt heaviness and oppression. You've experienced every fear. You've walked through it all so that I may now be like you. Every day I'm learning how nothing, absolutely nothing can separate me from your love. No darkness is too intimidating. No brokenness is too difficult. No wall is too strong. No mountain is too big. No battle is too overwhelming. No sin is too unforgivable. No fear is too powerful. No depression is too overwhelming. No problem is too small or too big. Every person I mentioned wasn't too lost for you to find, too broken for you to fix, or too dead for you to not resurrect. Their situation didn't define them. You take dirt and make life. You always hear when everyone says, he can turn your mess into his message, your test into his testimony. But you know what God says about you? He doesn't call you a mess. He calls you a masterpiece. So no matter where you are in your walk, no matter how far you think you've fallen, God will always find a way to redeem you. He will not put you through something that he cannot bring you out of. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly who you were. He knows exactly who you will be. And with God, we are redeemed. With God, we are alive. With God, we are saved.